So to get us going, I'd like you to turn to your neighbour and talk about how does or how did Jesus love? What did Jesus teach about loving? What did Jesus show us about loving? How did Jesus love? So turn, turn around and talk to your neighbours for a second or 20. <laughs> Okay, how else? He showed you care. Okay, how did he do that? By helping people. Yep. Um, people trusted him. Some he people trusted raised, him, yep. He raised people from the dead. He did. Um, he taught his disciples so that they looked up to him. Yep. And because of love, they also performed miracles. Yep, so miracles. Healing, raising people from the dead, led people. How else did he love? Forgave them. Forgave them. Taught people and showed them how to live. Right. So, yes, taught people and showed them how to live. Yeah, well, that just confused them, but yes, he spoke in parables. Served them. Served them. So, uh, on Monday, Thursday, we heard the, the reading where Jesus... Uh, washed their feet and said, if you want to be a leader, this is what you have to do. You have to wash the feet of the people you are leading. You have to serve them. You are not to be like other leaders. Uh, He fed them. He fed great groups of people. And two weeks ago we heard the story of uh, the last resurrection appearance in John's Gospel where he, he fed them fish and bread and three times asked Peter, do you love me? And when Peter said yes, he said, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. And given that he just fed them fish and bread, it's a pretty safe assumption that he meant feed them, like real food, not just spiritual food, but real sustenance. 
So there was a real practical edge to what Jesus did, as well as all the other things we talked about as well. So let's just hold that in our heads for a second and uh, quickly have a look at this reading we heard from John's Gospel, which seems a pretty straightforward little reading. Love as I have loved, by this they'll know you are my disciples. But its context is an interesting context. It sits between the conversation Jesus has with Judas about the fact that Judas is about to betray him, and we begin this morning's reading with Jesus, uh, with Judas going off to begin that process of betraying him. And then Jesus talks about how he's going to be glorified, and that really complicated little piece in there which most of us struggle to understand, with lots of in hymns and through hymns and things, uh, which is really all about Jesus being betrayed and crucified. That's how he's glorified. And then straight after this, he has a conversation with Peter about the fact that Peter is about to deny him three times. So in the midst of all of this, betrayal, denial, death, is this story about the saying, love one another. That should be a warning that actually it's not that simple, that it's a lot harder than it sounds. Now, throughout John's Gospel, Jesus said some quite difficult things, and throughout John's Gospel, people went, that is way too hard. I cannot do that. I'm out of here. So we keep thinking that the Gospel is pretty easy, and uh, all you have to do is preach it and people will follow. In John's Gospel, the, the most popular reaction was, you have got to be kidding and I am out of here. And in many ways, this little saying is just like the rest of it. The message translates it as, let me give you a new command. Love one another. In the same way I loved you, you love one another. This is how everyone will recognise that you are my disciples, when they see the love you have for each other. Now that love should have been all the things we just talked about at the beginning. All those practical things, all those teaching things, all those serving things. All of that should have been the love that was shown. And in some ways it was. But the trouble with love and with Jesus is his message very quickly got wrapped up in the cultural and religious expectations of his day and of every day since. The big question, well there are two big questions that come out of this reading. The first is, which we answered, is how do we love? And the second question is, well who should we love? That was also an, an issue that uh, Jesus had to deal with repeatedly. And we can see from this morning's reading from Acts, that that was an issue. They were struggling with that. Who do we love and how do we love almost from the first day? Now, if we were to read Acts 6, we would read the story about how the Hellenistic Christian Jews, the Hellenistic Jewish Christians, were a little upset at the disciples that they weren't paying them much attention. Uh, the distribution of food wasn't really coming their way that actually most of the food was going to the Jewish Jew, Jewish Christians. 
And they were saying, that's not fair. And the disciples, this is the last time the disciples get talked about in Acts. This is what they have to say. Just remembering everything else you guys have talked about this morning. It wouldn't be right for us to abandon our responsibilities for preaching and teaching the word of God to help with the care of the poor. It wouldn't be right for us to stop teaching and preaching and wasting our time with tending to the poor. Jesus said, love as I have loved, and they said, we're too busy, basically. And there are some scholars who say, the reason why this is the last time the disciples get talked about in the book of Acts is they were too busy following the example of what it meant to be a rabbi, which was, you didn't really care about the people around you, you just taught. You became a leader like every other leader. The trouble was Jesus wasn't a leader like every other leader. Jesus acted as a servant. And they just couldn't do it. So Luke says, well, enough of them. Let's look for people who actually did do it. And the two people he talks about are Peter and Paul. So Peter, we heard the reading this morning from Peter. And this reading from Peter, uh, from Acts about Peter, is a really interesting reading because it is really, really radical. And its radical nature just kind of goes over our head. One of the things that got Jesus into lots of trouble was the fact he kept eating with the wrong people. Now, it was important to show hospitality to people, which meant you provided them with food and with accommodation, but you didn't eat with people who weren't like you. In answer to the question, who should I love, the answer was people like you. And so if they weren't like you, you could show them hospitality, but you did not eat with them. Because to eat with them meant that you accepted them, and you were honouring them, and you were blessing them. So you didn't eat with people you didn't know, because you didn't want to honour or bless or accept. And not only did Jesus eat with people not like him, but he kept eating with tax collectors and sinners. I love how those two get put together. (laughs) And that really got up the nose of Pharisees. The other part of the story is that Jews and Gentiles lived side by side. They lived in the same towns. Uh, They did, did, did business with each other. And that meant that on a daily basis, Jews were being defiled. But... For a Jew, you kind of accepted that, but you certainly didn't go out of your way to be defiled. So you would never, ever go into a Gentile house. And you would never, ever eat with a Gentile. Because Gentiles ate the wrong foods, which were prepared in the wrong way, and the utensils were never kept separate, and so it was just all bad. So the only way to avoid that was, well, you didn't go into their houses and you didn't eat with them. You'll even notice Jesus didn't go into Gentiles' houses. He healed them from afar. Gentiles would come to him and he would say, they are healed. It was a huge step for a Jew to enter a Gentile house. And here we have this reading this morning of 
Peter, having a vision which says all those food laws, forget about it. You can go into this Gentile house, you can stay with them, and you can eat with them. That was huge. That meant the people, the circle of people that should be loved suddenly started including non-Jews. Now, the Christians in Jerusalem who were having enough trouble even getting their heads around the fact that they should be treating Hellenistic Jewish Christians the same as everyone else suddenly were confronted with a much bigger issue. Peter, one of the head disciples, is busy going around eating with Gentiles. That is a step too far for them. And James, the brother of our Lord, the head of Jerusalem church, says you should stop that. And in the book of Acts, it all sounds like he accepts it and it's all kosher. But if you read Paul's letter to the Galatians, that is the last thing that James thought. James kept sending messengers out saying, stop it, it's wrong. And Peter went, oh yeah, you're right, it's wrong, and stopped doing it. And it's Paul, the Pharisee, the one who is most steeped in the law, whose life has been most bound by the law, who says, actually, you know, Jesus kept telling us to love. He made God's love the centre of everything. And it's my hunch that actually God's love overrules everything. So if God's love tells me that I need to love these Gentiles, then I'll do that. And I don't care what the law says. The law is fulfilled in Jesus' love. So I'm sorry, James, but you've got it wrong. I'm going to keep eating with these Gentiles. Because that's what it means to love. So the Jerusalem church said, yes, we should love each other, as Jesus taught us. But only people like us, Jews, and if you want to be loved, you've got to be a Jew. So by all means, come and join us, but you have to be a Jew. And Paul is saying, nah, anyone can be loved. We should love everyone. So clearly, this who should we love and how should we should love has been a bit of a problem from day one. Now, if we were to look through the history of the church, there are some wonderful examples of when we really lived out this simple little commandment. The story of the church in Rome is a story of Christians who worked amongst the poor, who loved the poor, and their work became well known, and the church grew, and they were persecuted as a result of it. And if we look through history, we would see that it was... Christians who were involved in caring for, providing medical care for people, setting up education for people, setting up social welfare systems for people. And if we look around the Western Europe, most of our medical systems and educational systems are developed on the back of what the church was doing. And that's true of lots of countries where missionaries went. If you go to the Solomons, All the educational facilities were run by the church until the state took them over. Wonderful examples. When we have lived out this commandment, we have changed the world. 
but there are also horrific examples of when we got it very, very wrong. The Crusades were shocking, brutal, nasty invasion of the Middle East, all done in the name of God, in the name of God's love. Just this atrocious, brutal wave across the Middle East, killing anyone that got in their way, killing more Christians than they did Muslims, all in the name of a God of love. The wars between Roman Catholics and Protestants, which are still being played out in Ireland today. Even within Protestantism, Luther's Luther's ruthless Uh, putting down of the Anabaptists who he saw as heretics. Stories of the Spanish conquest of the Americas where whole peoples were massacred so that they might know God as a God of love. I still don't get how those two things go together. And I pray that it wasn't Franciscan friars involved, but I suspect it was. Our failure to live out that commandment has been horrendous. On Thursday, a number of us gathered in various places to commemorate Anzac Day. The war which we kind of originally commemorated with that was a war between Christians, mostly. I wonder how much the world history would have changed if we had bothered to live out that simple commandment to love one another as I have loved you. Just loving Christians. On this place, 149 years ago, tomorrow, there was a battle. It was a battle largely between Anglicans. Anglicans On this side, Anglicans marching up the peninsula. There would have been no battle if both sides had stopped to love one another. Tragically for the British, their sense of who they were in God was that we are superior. God made us masters. And everyone else should be under us, especially people like Māori, who were really uncivilised savages and really just needed to be civilised by us British and should just give us their land and give over their culture and their language and be Christian and civilised like us. Now that wasn't the only view And there were a lot of British who did not subscribe to that view and worked very hard to counter that view. But that was a strong view that motivated a significant number who who pushed for that war and these battles. It turns out that living the simple little commandment is a lot more difficult than we would hope. But there is good news as well. There's good news in the battle that happened here. Good news of people who did work hard to live out that simple commandment. And this is one of the people who offers good news. 
somebody who was half Irish, who had lived her life, her whole life with missionaries, uh, and was steeped, deeply steeped with the gospel, and sought her whole life to live that out, but was pushed to make a decision and chose to fight with her mother's people. Now the people who fought here fought for freedom against a foreign oppressor, a foreign invader. The British army was a foreign invader. And the people who fought here fought for their freedom, for their land, for their families, for their way of life. And that's what Henny fought for. Taratoa too was steeped in the gospel. He had worked as a teacher, as Henny had. He was training to be a priest, an Anglican priest, and he spent a significant amount of time with Bishop Selwyn uh, on his missionary trips around New Zealand and the Pacific. The gospel is at the heart of who he was. And both of these people... Now, I've on a little time, is uh, both of these people found themselves in an incredibly difficult situation where their hopes of two peoples living side by side each benefiting from the other living in peace lay in ashes now they could have at that point as others did put their Christian faith to one side they could have just treated the British as nameless enemy to be hated and despised and to be fought with, fought against by all means possible. But both of these people chose to treat the British not as an enemy but as people that should be treated with respect and care and love. They lived out this simple commandment. In the rules of engagement that Taratoa wrote, and sent to Colonel Greer and General Cameron. Those were radical rules. This is before the Geneva Convention is signed. It's being negotiated, but it's still not signed. And they were rules that the British Army did not abide by in this battle and in battles to come. But the Māori in this battle abided by them. Despite what was at stake, they said... We will still treat these people with care and respect. We will defend our land. We will defend our freedom. But there will be limits to that. And Henny could have just left those British soldiers dying. They'd come there to kill her. But she chose to risk her life to live out that simple commandment. To love one another as I have loved you. At great risk, she took water to dying soldiers. She could have been shot by the soldiers on down the sides, out the front, or any of those wounded soldiers. But she chose to live out that commandment. The example of each of these two shows what happens when we take Jesus' example seriously. When we join the crucified and risen one in loving all those God loves. 
in these acts we can recognise them as Jesus' disciples. We see they had love for each other, even those who came with violence to take their freedom, their land, their way of life. So who do we love and how do we love? That is the question we are still faced with today. It is as hard today as it was for those first disciples. So let's just stop for a moment and think about who it is we struggle to love. It's always easy to love the people like us, the people we like, but who is it we struggle to love? Who is it we would much rather not have to love? And how are we being invited today to offer them love? How are we being invited this day to love one another? In the same way that Christ loves us, love one another. This is how everyone will recognise that we are Christ's disciples when they see that we have love for each other. Let's just spend a moment thinking about that.